0: Well, hello and welcome to another edition of The Painful Truth. I'm Tony Payne. And thank you for the many readers who've sent in messages and encouragements and made comments in the comment section on the web version of the post after last week's edition. As I mentioned there, one of my hopes for The Painful Truth is that it will be a place where we do speak the truth with one another, where we encourage and stretch and challenge each other. And so far, so good. Thank you for the many emails and comments that have come in and done just that. And in the coming weeks, I'm hoping to touch on some of the specific questions that you asked, uh, including uh, the question that came in from Dave Pitt, um, wondering whether the overlapping zones of Christian speech that I spoke about in the last post, whether that also might help us think about Christian speech to outsiders, is there also that kind of distinction in evangelism? between preaching, teaching style evangelism and one another style evangelistic speech? That's a good question, and I'll come to that next week, God willing. Uh, But Simon Flinders also got in touch with a very interesting question. He said, well, small groups are a great opportunity for the kind of one another speech you talked about, but what about Sunday? Should we not also be engaging in one another encouragement and admonition and exhortation in our main gatherings as well? And if so, how? That's another excellent question, and I'll come back to that in the near future. Stay tuned for more on those. But in the meantime, as a number of readers pointed out to me, last week's edition on the importance of one another edifying speech takes on a particular relevance in the era of the coronavirus, of COVID-19. In fact, as some also reminded me, the final paragraphs of the Trellis and the Vine rather spookily forecast this connection. Here's what I wrote back in 2009 with Cole Marshall. It was not long after the swine flu epidemic had swept through uh, the world, and we said the following. (music) Try this mental experiment. Imagine that a swine flu pandemic swept through your part of the world and that all public assemblies of more than, say, three people were banned. And let's say that, due to some catastrophic combination of circumstances, this ban had to remain in place for 12 months. How would your congregation of 120 members continue to function, with no regular church gatherings of any kind and even no small groups, except perhaps for groups the size of three? If you were the pastor, what would you do? I guess you could send your people regular letters and emails. You could make phone calls and maybe even do a podcast. Uh, And this was written really before I'd even thought of the idea of live streaming back in 2009. But how would the regular work of teaching and preaching and pastoring take place? How would you encourage your congregation to persevere in love and good deeds, especially in such trying circumstances? And what about evangelism? How would new people be reached and contacted and followed up? There wouldn't be any men's breakfasts or coffee mornings or no evangelistic courses or outreach meetings. Nothing. Now you could of course revert to the ancient practice of visiting the congregation house to house and door knocking the local area. But how, as a pastor, could you possibly meet with and door-to-door interact with all 120 adults in your congregation, let alone their children, let alone door-knocking the entire suburb, let alone following up the contacts that were made? Now, if it was to be done, you would need substantial help. Perhaps you would need to start with 10 of your most mature believers and meet intensively with them, two or three at a time, for the first few months while keeping in touch with everyone else, say via phone or email. And you could train these first ten in how to read the Bible and pray with a few other people and with children. And their job would then be twofold. To pastor their own families through regular Bible reading and prayer, and to meet with four or so others to train and encourage them to do the same. And assuming that 80% of your congregation or so are families and are married, By training a few men to do this, you could eventually reach all or most of the married adults in the congregation and have them involved in regular Bible-based encouragement. And while that was getting going, with you offering some support and help along the way, you might choose another bunch of people to train personally, people who could meet with singles or with people who had potential in door-knocking and evangelism or people who would be good at following up new contacts. All of this would mean lots of personal contact, of course, lots of smaller one-to-one meetings and one-to-three meetings. But of course, there wouldn't be any services to run or committees or not much in the way of seminars or small groups or working bees. In fact, nearly all our group activities of any kind would not need to be organised or administered or have support for them drummed up. There would just be this personal work in small groups, training and mobilising and spreading the work among your people. And here's the question, after 12 months when the ban on mass gatherings was lifted and you were able to recommence your Sunday gatherings and all the rest of the meetings and activities of church life, what would you do differently? Well, that's what we wrote in 2009 on page 165 of the Charles and the Vine. Now, I am neither a prophet nor a prophet's son, as they say, nor do I know anything about viral outbreak management or flattening the curve or any of the other subjects about which people on Facebook suddenly seem to be experts. But it does seem to me that the current circumstances we find ourselves in will provide some sort of stress test for the quality of the one another culture in our churches when our normal opportunities for public preaching and teaching, when these are curtailed, as is already happening in many places, the degree to which we have taught and equipped and encouraged our congregations to speak the word to one another, well, that will become apparent, won't it? And no doubt, many of us will find ourselves somewhat underprepared. However, and this was really the point of that little swine flu thought experiment in the trellis and the vine, sometimes being forced to think outside our standard modes of operating and ministering can be extremely useful. And as stressful and difficult as the current situation is for many pastors and congregations, and it really is, these changed circumstances also provide some fresh opportunities for us. And I mean not only fresh opportunities for providing comfort and prayer and hope, Uh, especially to those whose secure world has been really upended by this pandemic. But I also mean opportunities for supporting and encouraging and equipping our people to minister the word prayerfully to each other in multiple different ways. So as we make plans in this year of COVID-19 for seeing gospel ministry continue and flourish, let's not think only about how to live stream our church services and sermons, as important as that is and as necessary as that is. But let's also think about the opportunity that this new and unexpected scenario provides for us to think differently, and especially to think about how we could teach and admonish and encourage and exhort one another daily, as it says in Hebrews 3 so that none of us may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I'm Tony Payne. This has been The Painful Truth. Bye for now.